He kōna e pūrangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. I'm Zoe George and this is Not Your Average Cricket Show, where we're hitting traditional cricket commentary for six. Over the next three weeks, we're following all the action from the White Ferns as they compete at the ICC World T20 in the West Indies. We're bringing you analysis, cricket puns, history from the Cricket Museum and guest hosts. You can also join the conversation on the RNZ Vox Pop app or email us cricket at rnz.co.nz. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Radio Public or at rnz.co.nz forward slash series. And of course you can listen to us on the RNZ app. You can hear some of our special cuts on RNZ Nights with Brian Crump Monday nights at 7.30. On today's show we cross to Guyana to talk to the White Ferns following their first round game against India. Uh, we also hit the streets once more, this time to ask if you actually like cricket. And we go behind the scenes to get a close-up look at the Women's World Cup trophy from 2000. We've got a bevy of guest hosts coming in as well over the next few weeks to give their two cents. In the first episode, it was international players Jimmy Neesham and Hamish Bennett. Today, we've got an all-RNZ lineup. Uh, Ravinda Hunia is a sports journalist based in Auckland. She's filling in for Justin Gregory today. Kia ora, Ravinda. Morena. And we've got Ben Strang, who's an RNZ journalist based in Wellington, who also had a sabbatical last year playing county cricket. Kia ora, Ben. Kia ora. Welcome. Thank you so much. Okay, Ravinda, what's your background in cricket? Quick fire. My background in cricket is basically I haven't played since primary school. <laughs> At least However, you've played though, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Kiwi, Kiwi cricket and all of that. But um, no, my dad's a big cricket player. Um, he's Punjabi Indian himself, so I kind of didn't get out of watching cricket growing up also. Oh, well, we'll get to, he must be very pleased with the result from today, and we'll get to that very shortly. Ben, how about you? I've played cricket <laughs> since I was uh, 15, actually. I was a late starter. but It uh, is quite late. Managed to pick it up. I uh, just tried to mimic Shane Warne and turned out I could do it pretty well. So, And uh, later became a batsman, and I've been playing for a very long time now, it feels like. So. Uh, who did you play for in England? Uh, I played for a club in Somerset called Midsummer Norton, which is uh, the inspiration behind Midsummer Murders, the uh, TV show. That's the mm-hmm. that's a little town there. So, uh, yeah, nice little club there playing in the Somerset comp. It was um, it was great. And now you're back in New Zealand and you're applying your skills to what team here in Wellington? Uh, playing for University in Wellington in the Premier Club uh, club comp here. So it's. Uh, it's enjoyable playing um, in Wellington, except for the weather. <laughs> and, and after the podcast, after the show, uh, Ben's off to play. So thanks, yep. Ben, for getting up at the crack of well dawn to watch the White Ferns. Uh, so India won the toss. They elected to bat in the opening game of the uh, ICC T20 against the White Ferns, and they set a record score, 193. It was, I have to say an absolute masterclass in batting. It was incredible. Uh, Unfortunately, New Zealand were unable to chase that total down. They beat us by 34 runs. So we're crossing now to Susie Bates uh, following the game against India. Kia ora, Susie. Hi, Zoe. How are you? Not too bad. More like, how are the White Ferns after what was a very interesting game? Yeah, look, it's um, it's never ideal to to lose your first um, World Twenty Twenty game, but look, it's yeah, it's the type of tournament that you know we've just got to reflect on it pretty constructively and move forward. Um, I'm in pre-core, obviously, 
batted outstanding and mm. when a player scores a century against you in 2020 cricket, it, it makes it pretty tough to chase down the score. But look, we probably in the last 10 overs didn't bowl in the areas we'd like and, and made it pretty easy for bowling in the slot a bit too much. So that's probably the initial reflection and um, we're just going to have to be better with our plans and be a bit more aggressive with the bat. Uh, I mean, it, it was conditions that suited India. They set a World T20 record with 194. What was said in the sheds at, at the break? Yeah, look, Amy, when we came off the field, um, it was a really good wicket. The, the outfield was pretty fast and we just had to believe that we could chase that down and um, you know have a really positive mindset, which... Look, I thought we, we started well with the bat. Um, we just probably didn't keep backing ourselves to keep going to going at the bowlers. Uh, you were able to anchor the innings. You must have been pretty pretty chuffed with that. Yeah, it's a, a bit of catch-22. Like you, You're pleased to have sort of got a score, but it wasn't enough. And um, I felt like I got a little bit tied up um, from some of the bowlers, which put extra pressure on the batter down the other end. And... When you have to go at pretty much 10s from the start, you can't really afford dot balls and you, you have to keep finding the boundaries. So, yeah, look, it's, um, it's hard to be pleased with that performance, but, um, look, we've got a really big game against Australia and mm. um, that's probably where our minds need to be now and it's nice to get a few runs to take some confidence into that game. 160-odd, though, is still a decent score, particularly in this kind of area, which is low and slow, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's been interesting because we've had two warm-up games and they have been at 8pm at night, but, um, you know, have struggled to get above 130. So mm. um, today for 190 to play 160 is a pretty pretty good game of cricket. And, um, look, to get to 160 in the end there is going to be good for our run rate and that might help um, later on in the tournament. So pleased that we showed a lot of intent with the bat, but mm. it's still disappointing to fall short. All right, Australia, uh, Wednesday, New Zealand time. Both, I mean, we're both Southern Hemisphere teams, so th- these are conditions that we're not used to, both New Zealand and Australia. This could be your game. Yeah, absolutely. And um, we've talked a lot about um, the Aussies. We've beaten them in pool play, I think, the last two World 2020 tournaments. So we're going to take a massive amount of confidence in that. And look, these wickets do bring teams closer together. And I think the series we've had in Australia is kind of irrelevant to this game, and it's going to be a big match for both of us. Mm, well, good luck. We wish you all the best and um, send our best wishes to the White Ferns and we'll talk to you again after the Australia game. Thanks very much, guys. There we go. That was White Fern Susie Bates who was able to anchor the second innings with the bat for New Zealand. I'm joined by Ben Strang, New Zealand RNZ radio journalist based here in Wellington and Ravinda Hunia who's stepping in for Justin Gregory today. Oh... Where do we start with the game? <laughs> Actually, before we even start with the game, have I mentioned the swear jar? No, yeah. Ah, okay. So the swear jar is really important. So every time you call them batsmen instead of batter, or even worse, girls instead of women, it's a dollar in the jar. Jimmy Neesham and Hamish Bennett contributed a dollar each the other day. Uh, so that goes towards my coffee later <laughs> in the week. And uh, <laughs> uh, so that's that's the swear jar, all right? Okay. Cool. So, and let's talk about the first uh, the first innings. India won the toss and decided to bat. Ben, in these types of conditions, which are low and slow, is batting the thing to do first? Oh, absolutely, because as the pitch wears, it's only going to get lower and slower. 
and make it harder and harder for batting. And we saw that today because in the second innings, uh, India, having had a good look at the pitch in the first innings and understanding what it was doing, knew exactly how to bowl, knew where to bowl, and it made things much more difficult for New Zealand. And, and New Zealand, I think, with the ball, just struggled to get it in the right areas mm-hmm. because they they didn't have the luxury of that first look at the pitch. So in these conditions, it's pretty vital to have a bat first. And it's conditions that India are used to. This is subcontinent conditions in the West Indies. Absolutely, absolutely. It's uh, it's perfect for spin bowling and, uh, and, and that sort of batting where you've just got to wait on the ball and play it late and... You know, pick your gaps. It's 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 tough stuff, and it's something that you're not used to in New Zealand. Mm. But they have to get used to it very quickly. So the first wicket fell uh, in the second over. Leah Tahuhu took it. Mm. There was a bit of pace in that first six overs, though. I mean, in these conditions, should we be bowling pace, Ravinda? What are your thoughts? Well, I thought um, Leah Tahuhu came out of the gates once she took uh, when once mm. she started bowling. So maybe that is what's going to work for them. Uh, in these conditions, but um, you know that's that was kind of India's warm up to see what they can expect and how uh, things were coming back at them. But uh, it, it didn't take much before um, Core came onto the crease and kind of blew that game plan out of the water. Yeah, she scored a century, 103 of 51 balls. The captain for India it was a fantastic knock and quite the masterclass. Uh, some beautiful strokes all around the ground, a number of sixes. I mean, who says that women's cricket isn't exciting, <laughs> you know? And yeah. it was about, was it about eight sixes and eight fours uh, yeah. throughout their innings? It was, and they were huge there too. There was a couple of those sixes, which I, th- <gasps> I think they had said 85, 90 metre mark, yeah. one down the ground, which cleared the sight screen. It was massive. Um, kind of makes you wonder why they bring the boundaries in so far when they're actually hitting the ball, you know, as far as the men do. So it's a... Mm-hmm. Uh, um, no, her performance was incredible. And when you consider that she was on five off 13 balls, mm. so her final 98 runs came from 38 deliveries. It's, that, that second half of her innings was absolutely insane. She she was just blazing it. You could see the white fans getting a little bit frustrated, though. They weren't bowling as they should have been. What about their field placements, Ben? I was questioning a few of those field placements. Uh, either the bowling wasn't been done to plan or the fielding plans were just all over the show because they were over pitching it they were pitching it far too full and on a wicket like that it is holding and is low they need to be bowling a little bit shorter pulling it back a little bit but they were afforded the luxury of being able to just charge the spinners it was much too full um and with with any pace they were just popping it over mid-off, who was for some reason up, and they just had plenty of pasture back there to, to hit into. So it was a little bit bizarre. I don't know what um, Amy Satterthwaite was thinking there. Maybe she had other plans and, and the bowlers weren't going to it. We, we'll never know, I guess. I was going to say to you, Bernard, you as the professional, obviously, <laughs> <laughs> you know how much of that does come down to Amy and her inexperience in that role. Well, that's that's the thing. It's hard to know because I have been in teams where the captain has set a very clear bowling plan. Mm. We want you to bowl here. We want you to bowl this length. We want you to bowl this line. Mm. And then old mate with the ball uh, doesn't do what you've asked. So, uh, yeah, like I say, either they were asked to bowl length deliveries and, and that sort of thing and for some reason were just over-pitching everything and getting pummeled down the ground mm. or... Amy's set a poor field, uh, so so someone's to blame, um, mm. 
and they just need to work on it for the next game because that, that can't happen again. DRS, it's the first time that's been used uh, in women's T20. We had a couple of early chances, but we didn't take it early on. In the, yeah. in the second and third overs, LBWs, both would have been out. <laughs> um, you know, we didn't go upstairs. Ravinda, should we use it if it's there, and should we use it early in the game? Oh, you may... I mean, it's there to be used at the end of the day, but you can kind of understand Amy's situation where she's thinking it's so early in the game. Do I, is it, Mm. you know, clever to use it now? Um, But at the same time, you know, you have to have that trust with your wicketkeeper. And um, if if they're yelling from the top of their their lungs that they're so confident that, you know, that it's worth taking up, there may be uh, a bit more trust for the wicketkeeper to, 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 you know, support her call. Mm. Did we need to be, be more aggressive in our play? I think so. I think um, with those DRS calls, the first one was just absolutely plum hitting halfway up the middle stump, basically. Mm. That was a little bit bizarre not to not to be reviewing that. The second one, a little bit tougher, but I I was appealing in the in the lounge here at RNZ. <laughs> you were? So, <laughs> like, how's that? Um, <laughs> I'd given it. Uh, but, but it, it, you know, those didn't cost us in the end, I suppose. Didn't cost New Zealand. Um, yeah, I think I think they could have been a little bit more aggressive, some more aggressive fields, uh, that sort of thing. But at the same time, when Core is playing in the way she played, it, what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's right. Well, it wasn't a very very exciting first innings, uh, and and as we just say, keep saying the batting was incredible. So if you manage to catch the highlights, do that. Uh, you know, it's really interesting though that some people don't like cricket. And so I actually hit the streets. I went down to Lambton Key to get the thoughts of a few people, and this is what they had to say. Do you like cricket? No, it's pretty hard to watch. I'm not a cricket fan. I mean, to say I sat up there on Saturday mornings watching my daughter play cricket and froze. <laughs> oh, you're a good mum. Yeah, I was once. <laughs> oh, I'm sure you still are. I still am, but I don't watch cricket. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think you'd ever get back into it? I reckon if someone explained the rules to me a bit better. Because yeah, there's so much to know. You know, every time they bowl, it means something, doesn't it? I don't mind cricket, but it's not a sport I know much about or play or have had any Why? real involvement in. Why is that? I don't know. That's life, isn't it? I played football, I played badminton, squash. I just don't get a buzz from watching other people play sports. Uh, I think there are more interesting ways to spend my time. <laughs> it's OK. It's not my favourite sport, but uh, I keep an eye on it um, because I'm more of a rugby league and rugby mean, but uh, I'll keep a general eye on sport. No, oh, not really a cricket fan. Why not? I don't know, it's just a weird game. Oh, it's kind of like if you haven't been born into it, it's hard to get into and not many people I guess I, in New Zealand it's quite a pre, you know prevalent but elsewhere it really isn't and I can sort of see why I guess, so yeah. How about you? Yeah, I don't think I've ever finished watching a full game of cricket. <laughs> really? Yeah. Why? Why is that? Um, just I, I don't really understand the rules very well, and um, yeah, it just seems kind of seems like a bit of an old-fashioned sport to me. Um, I don't understand that they play a sport for so long and no one wins. It seems insane. You know, there's some of the top New Zealand players that go and play in those big international teams. Mm-hmm. That interests me. I don't quite understand it. You know, they get huge crowds in India and that. So that side interests me. So if you could educate me more about that, I'd give it a go. Played cricket at school. Loved it then. Just, it's all too much now. But, you know, shorter term, you know, shorter ones and those elite sports teams, yeah. 
you could almost convince me. Uh, personally, it's pretty boring. It's kind of like golf, you know, you just wait for the balls to be hit around. But if there are no balls hit, then nothing's happening, really. Uh, personally, for me, I find cricket boring as well. It's pretty slow-paced sport for me. Like, maybe if I was playing it, it would be fun. But if I was watching it, no, no thanks. I love cricket. Because it's relaxing, you can kind of tune in and out and you don't have to watch it all but you can kind of tune in and out and catch the key moments and um, it's usually on a nice sunny day so it's good to watch. Exciting, the most exciting sport known to man. No, it's, it's like... It's boring? Yeah. Why is it boring? Uh, it's, I don't know, like I just find baseball better. Like if you're going to be standing in a field, it's, it's a little bit more running around and the scoring system isn't as whack. I feel pretty neutral about cricket. We've got a 14-year-old son and we've done the sitting by the sidelines for practically the whole day, isn't it? And he's, yeah, I'm neutral. It, it's, yeah, neutral about it. No, oh, I'm a fan. I, I enjoy it. Do you like cricket? Uh, <laughs> do you? Why have you watched cricket? It's not really a thing in Belgium. <laughs> Actually, Belgium have not a bad cricket team. Do we? Yeah. Really? In fact, we have a cricket team. I didn't know. We're joined by Ben Strang and Ravinda Hunia. Are you surprised that people don't like cricket? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> nah. It's a required taste, I think. Yeah, yeah, it is, isn't An it? An acquired taste. So, yeah, it's a bit like blue cheese, eh? <laughs> the problem with cricket is that you can play for five days and not get a result and everyone's going to tell you that and they're going to say that paint drying is more exciting and mm. watching the grass being cut is more exciting and yeah it's uh it's hard to argue with sometimes but um yeah like like Ravinda says it's definitely an acquired taste you've got to uh have grown up with it I suppose. Mm. There's something mm. quite lovely though about lying on the embankment at the Basin Reserve. Mm. It is good. It is good. <laughs> <laughs> Let's have a look at the second innings. Uh, India set us 195 to chase down and oh. earlier this week uh, we had Jimmy Neesham and Hamish Bennett in to give their predictions. They kind of said 130-140 was mm. a really good you know, really good target. Unfortunately, we were unable to hit it, but we did make, we did. We only lost by 34 runs, so we made it into the 160s, which has got to be a positive thing, right? Absolutely. That's the second highest chasing score in a World 2020, so mm. um, it's clear that you've just got to restrict the opposition a little bit more, but if New Zealand know that they can hit 160 in a bit of a lost cause, then mm. I, I would think that if they'd, they'd be looking to restrict teams to 150-odd if they have to bowl first. Mm. But it also means that they're going to know if they're batting first, they've got to be putting on a bit of a big total, I would suggest. The win predictor popped up at the sixth over with uh, New Zealand possibly winning at 16%, so that was really great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I felt sad for the for the team when I saw that. <laughs> there was a there was a moment of nail biting, uh, which came in the ninth over. Hat trick ball. It was two quick wickets. Sophie Devine mm. uh, went first. Then Watkin for a golden duck. And Ben and I were sitting there going, "Oh no!" <laughs> uh, Amy Satherwaite. Um, she just left it, and and thankfully there was there was no hat trick. But when I don't know what goes through your mind, Ravinda, when when you see something like that happen. Two quick, two quick wickets, mm. hat trick ball. Ugh. Yeah, it was a bit like you said, a bit of a nail biter, and you're just hoping that it doesn't go to that third wicket. You not only to to not you know 
tally mm. up those wickets, but to also not give India that you know that momentum and confidence moving on through the rest of the game, knowing that they're you know flicking off these wickets one by one. But um, yeah, that would have been a blow even with two wickets for the White Ferns, I, w- I would imagine. And uh, yeah, that was probably like Susie was just saying earlier the the last ten probably not so great for them and that was probably the beginning of it. Mm. It was interesting that they had Amelia Kerr come in at number 10, Ben. I mean, she's a fantastic T20 batter. Why is she not up the order, you think? Score 230 in a one-dayer <laughs> and you bat 10 in a twenty twenty. It's a little bit bizarre. I heard Hamish and, and mm. Jimmy Neesham talking about it um, mm. the other day and I just don't understand it. It's a little bit bizarre. For the last year and a bit, she's been working like a trooper in the nets on her power game she's been going to the gym working on her strength it showed when she went over to England and Ireland and she's batting 10 it's it doesn't make much sense because with all due respect to some of the other batters there it's she's got a huge amount of talent compared to some of them so what was the Indian fielding like did did they field well Ben um, they they didn't make mistakes. I guess that I mean they, there was one dropped catch for the mm. return catch to the bowler, but they didn't make mistakes. But it wasn't as if they were really pushed or anything. There was no um, extremely good running between the wickets by New Zealand. There was no um, blinder. Well, there was a couple of good catches in the outfield, I suppose. But but I don't think New Zealand really pushed them at all. So um, no, it was it was just a solid fielding display. Um, and and that was it. Yeah, the the only kind of two anchors for us in that batting innings was uh, Susie that we spoke to mm. earlier, who got sixty seven, uh, and then Katie Martin, who came in and, and scored thirty nine from twenty five. So a little bit disappointing, possibly. I wonder how we're going to go against Australia, uh, and we'll talk about that very, very soon. But first, we continue our mini-series of interesting artefacts found at the New Zealand Cricket Museum at the Basin Reserve in Wellington. In the first episode, former New Zealand captain Trish McKelvey showed us a bat that she used to score a century against England with in 1966. I'm back with her today as we take a look at the World Cup trophy that was won by the White Ferns in the nail-biting final against the Aussies in 2000 at the Burt Sutcliffe Oval. Hey Trish, tell me something, where were you in 2000 when the White Ferns won the World Cup? Well, I can't actually remember where (laughs) I was exactly, but I follow women's cricket, girls' cricket, um, as keenly as I ever did when I played it. So it meant a lot because some of these players that were in that 2000 team actually were in the teams that I managed uh, and an earlier one I coached. Uh, leading up to that World Cup. So they're all uh, young players then that I'd helped to sort of guide along the way. So it was very pleasing to see how well they did. Well, and some of them, I think Hayley Tiffin was in that team, wasn't she? And now she's off coaching the White Ferns, who are currently at the ICC T20 in the West Indies. Well, I think all of a sudden with the merger at New Zealand Cricket with men and the women, which was around about 1993, suddenly a few pathways were created for women. And while probably one of the main things that um, we drew up in the agreement between New Zealand men and women was that we wanted to develop and form a bigger base, that hasn't been done quite as well as we would have liked. But I think that the the young people that uh, are now playing for the White Ferns, they've had every opportunities um, so far as uh, money, Mm. opportunities, 
I mean, they even play full-time cricket, some of them. So, I mean, I Wouldn't never that had that dream? opportunity. Yeah, no. Uh, well, yes, we're looking at the um, the trophy from the 2000 World Cup, which is uh, here at the New Zealand Cricket Museum at the Basin Reserve. The World Cup's coming back to New Zealand, though, isn't it, in 2021? Is that correct? That's right, yes. What are our chances? Well, if the team performs to their ability and their potential, then they should be in line. But for some reason, we sort of fall away just at the critical points. So <laughs> we don't pick at the right time, yeah. <laughs> I'm also part of the little committee, uh, along with Jamie Bell, our director, who's trying to put together a, a book on the history of women's cricket. Oh, brilliant. Um, which will be a social history type book rather than just a straight history. And we hope to uh, have that written in time for this World Cup. We have this thing with the white fans where they've made it through to the finals or the semi-finals, the crunch games, and it's come down to the final over and then it's all just turned to custard. What do you think they need to do to not allow it, that to happen again? Well, not being in the inner circle, it's a little bit hard to know what, what is going on, but I, I, I do think that our fielding needs to improve. I think we, we haven't perhaps fielded well, as well in international matches as we're probably capable of. Um, and I think that the, the bats particularly just need to play to their potential. I mean, just because it's a one-day game, you don't need to go out and try and score all the runs in 10 overs sort of thing. So I think if they, they start to mature and understand what the game is all about... I mean, I learned a lot of my cricket just by coming to the Basin Reserve, sitting and watching men's teams playing at the top level and reading so many different uh, worldwide cricket books. That's how I learnt my cricket. That's Trish McKelvey, former New Zealand captain, talking about the 2000 Women's World Cup trophy. And you can find that at the New Zealand Cricket Museum. We are joined today on Not Your Average Cricket Show by Ben Strang and Ravinda Hunia, two RNZ journalists. Um, where were you, Ben, for the 2000 World Cup? Did you, did you watch it? 2000 World Cup depends on the time of the year, <laughs> uh, but probably at Paraparomu School over the tracks in Paraparomu. Um, <laughs> that was <laughs> probably pretending that I was a good fast bowler with the old Milo cricket sets or something like that. That would be about it. Um, mm. Yeah, learning maths, I suppose. Uh, <laughs> wasn't particularly interested in cricket at the time, but there you go. Uh, how about you, Ravinda? Do you remember the 2000 World Cup? Yeah, I was... I was at school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where was I? I think I might have just, if it's 2000, so I just would have just started high school. Tells you how young we are. Uh, and I remember watching it because my mum's Australian and we watched it on TV and she's cheering for the Aussies and I'm cheering for the Kiwis and it was, ah, it was amazing. But yes, it's incredible what they've got at the uh, at the museum. I do, I do kind of enjoy having a look around there and uh, throughout Not Your Average Cricket Show over the next few episodes we'll uh, we'll discover a few more things. Uh, before we get our predictions for the next game I noticed something about whenever there was a boundary scored a bunch of dancers female <laughs> dancers would come up and like dance around on, on the sideline. Yeah. Ravinda what are your thoughts on that? I think Mixed emotions, yeah. and I'm trying my best to not get into the swear jar at this point. But um, I thought, you know, it's all part of the festivities. Mm. I'm not quite sure if that dance represents their culture at all. I'm not, you know, um, educated um, in terms of their traditional dance over there. So that could have been a part of it. Uh, yeah, I thought it was um, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> ben, interesting is the word. Yeah, interesting is the word. I was like, well, okay, Ben raised a really good point. I was sitting there going, oh, oh no, why do we need dancers? And Ben said, well, you know, there are now three women employed, which is so true. <laughs> I'm all about... There's three ha- jobs. Yeah, three jobs. I'm all about having women employed in cricket. Four, with the choreographer. Yeah, this is true. true. This is true. <laughs> and I'm great. like, but hold on one second. We have women dance at men's cricket, so why can't we have men dance at women's cricket too? I'm all about equality. Yeah, well, I think it's just a little bit like the Netball Association, isn't it? They uh, don't sanction male dancers. That's right, there you go. Um, What do you do? (laughs) I I don't know if guys would look good in those outfits. (laughs) Well, you never know. I think I could pull it off. Yeah, Ben, I think you could totally pull it off. They had like these uh, almost like wings on their back, multicoloured wings and stuff. I could see you shimmering on the sideline there, Ben. Yeah, flossing, maybe. (laughs) A bit of flossing. Oh, dear. Uh, All right, so our next game is against Australia. (sighs) And the thing about Australia, though, is that they're actually paid professionals. Um, they they are paid to play. You know, a lot of these players are earning ninety thousand plus a year. Uh, they're raking it in, so they're one hundred percent focused on cricket. Uh, I am picking Australia, England in the final. Sorry, white fans, but I am. Um, but how do you think we're going to go against Australia, Ravinda? Yeah, it's tough to say, you know, it's one of those heart goes one way and the mind goes the other. But, um, you know, they're coming off a, a clean sweep loss to Australia, aren't they, in the in the T20 series? So, you know, on one hand, the White Ferns will be looking for redemption from that series. But on the other hand, Australia are coming in with full confidence, mm. uh, knowing that they can get that win. Uh, I would have to back Australia in this game, unfortunately. Yeah, and the build-up to uh, the T20, uh, the White Ferns went to Australia and and played a warm-up series. We did manage to win one game, but the results got worse and worse yeah. as, the, yeah, sorry, as the tournament went on. Uh, and in the final game, we lost by nine wickets, as you do. Not to mention Australia are so hungry for a trophy to put in their cabinet. They mm. may be, you know, rank Pati- the top, but... Particularly following the uh, review that came out, was it last week, the week before, mm. talking about the culture at... Uh, I think at the moment they're the jewel of the Australian cricketing crown, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're, they're the Absolutely. ones that uh, everyone, you know, there's been no uh, drama coming out of that team, that's, that's mm. for sure. Yeah. Ben, what's your pick? I think Australia will be too good. I don't know what it is with New Zealand at the moment, but for the past year and a bit, uh, they seem to not be the team that they were. Um, I don't know if it's anything to do with the leadership changes and all of that sort of thing, mm. um, but it just concerns me a little bit. They've got all the talent to win the mm. game, uh, but whether they put it together on the day is another thing. I'm just not sure. All right, so if we win the toss, what should we do? Bet. Bet. <laughs> What's a good target for us? Based on today, 160, 170, mm. definitely. Um, but the key will be keeping wickets in hand uh, in that last 10 overs. If, mm. if you have Susie Bates and Sophie Devine or something in at the 10, 11, 12 over mark, uh, then they can do what Core did today and just pump it. Mm. Uh, that's that's what you want. That's the ideal sort of situation. So yeah. if they do that, then it could be 200. Who knows? Sophie didn't have a good... Good game today. Uh, got smashed around a little bit with the ball and only scored nine runs, kind of mm. off the edge of her bat. Just it was, it was a no. Sh- like it, she didn't even try. But that's twenty twenty. Yeah. Is um, is you know you say in a tournament like this, you don't want everyone firing on the same day. So if Sophie turns up next next time and scores a hundred, and Amelia Kerr turns up and bowls well, that wins you a game. Mm. So uh, you know you only need two people to fire, and off you go. Ravinda, how about you? Yeah, 
Yeah. (laughs) I think that one, I'd love to see New Zealand continually hit that 160 mark. Yeah, exactly. And not just, you know, in this situation, they were, you know, looking at a score of 195. So they Mm. knew that they had to kind of come out the gate Mm. and and at least try and scratch that score. So hopefully to have that same hunger to come out and want to hit that score without having, you know, something to chase for. Um, But, yeah, I'm not. I'm just not quite sure with that um, that batting order. I don't know if that's going to work for them. Yeah, well, uh, it will yeah. be interesting. I'm sure you'll be celebrating. Your dad will be celebrating Ravinda, the, the good score today. I've already got the phone call this morning. <laughs> He's very happy. <laughs> oh, good to hear. Hey, yeah. something we did notice, though, was that a lot of the Indian players were using a New Zealand bat. Yeah, Lavering Wood. Lot, lots of yeah. uh, Lavering Wood bats there from the Mighty Hawks base. So... Uh, James Laver will be a happy man, seen his product uh, raised there. Uh, I think it was um, the the 18-year-old, wasn't it, mm. from India, who scored mm. the 50. She had the Laver bat. So uh, interesting that they're spreading around there. It's um, I'd love to hear what he's doing up there and, and what they like about his bats. Yeah. Do you use one of them? No, I use a CA from Pakistan. They uh. suit my game very well. Aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much, Ravinda Hunia and... Ben String. What a shame that the White Ferns couldn't pull it off, but oh well, maybe next time. That's it for Not Your Average Cricket Show. We'll be back on Wednesday and Justin will be returning uh, and hopefully we'll be able to break down the action between the White Ferns and Australia. Bring it on! Not Your Average Cricket Show was produced and presented by me, Zoe George, and Justin Gregory. The engineer is William Saunders. The executive producer is Tim Watkin. You can subscribe to Not Your Average Cricket Show podcast at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Radio Public, or at rnz.co.nz forward slash series. And while you're on Apple, please rate us by clicking on ratings and review, then the stars. It's dead easy and really important. This way more people get to hear about us. And if you want to share anything with us, you can email us at cricket at rnz.co.nz. Catch you later.